For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found Modern Mammals, and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast, and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me, and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to another episode of my podcast, Lead Singer Syndrome. I'm your host, Shane. So nice to have you as I dive in to the backstage conversations that I have with other lead singers. And I love the requests I get. I get them literally every day. I get emails every single day, people thanking me for this, thanking me for doing the show, and you're welcome. I enjoy it myself as well. And people are always suggesting guests. And for a very long time, this guest of today's show, Casey Crescenzo of The Deer Hunter, formerly of The Receiving End of Sirens, this is one that got asked for a lot. And early on, I actually tried to get Casey, and I had my people reach out to his people, and nothing happened. I just thought he wasn't interested, maybe. But it worked out. He's here. And this is a very, very exciting, informative very funny episode. I really enjoyed talking to Casey. We got on great. And what a musician. I mean, all the work that he's done over the years in The Deer Hunter is incredible. So out there. So next level. And The Receiving End of Sirens, that band has achieved legendary status, whether he believes it or not. They were way ahead of their time as well. So this is a great episode. Sit back and relax. And thank you for being here. If you do want to email me, feel free, leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. I've been kind of poor at getting back to people the last uh, couple weeks, I guess. I'm going to try to go back and just thank everybody real quick, but I do read all my emails and I try to write back. So feel free to send me a message on there. Uh, you can add me on social media, Instagram, Twitter. It's at Shane Told or at leadsingersyndrome at least singer syndrome, depending on which one you're on. 
Make sure you add us on Facebook as well. Still a thing, I guess. In other news with me, I'm at home. I'm hanging out, working on the All Access Club a whole bunch. The All Access Club is for people who one episode a week on Wednesdays, it's not enough for them. They need more content. They need more interaction with me, interaction with other fans of the show. They want Lead Singer Syndrome merchandise. They want it shipped to their house. They want patches. There is so much great stuff happening in the All Access Club. And best of all, it only costs as little as $6 a month. That gets you in and it'll keep the content coming both here and there. So check it out. All I ask is you check out the link, leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. Welcome new members. Welcome old members, of course, but especially welcome new members. Again, the link, leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. I want to thank iconic.com. They're a brand new sponsor of the podcast. They hooked me up with some new glasses. Yeah, I look fly. I look good. Yep. They're Nike brand name. That's right. They're awesome. They got awesome stuff over at Iconic.com. If you wear glasses, if you wear contacts, if you don't like me, but you're having trouble with your eyes, they got your back. So head over to Iconic.com. That's E-Y-E-C-O-N-I-C.com slash L-S-S. Use that link. Then you can use promo code L-S-S to take 10% off your entire order if you don't have insurance. If you have insurance, well, you're laughing already. They got the best selection. Just go there iconic.com slash L-S-S. Anyway, let's continue with this week's episode and my conversation with Casey Crescenzo. Thanks for doing this, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks this, for uh, taking the time to do it. Yeah, no, I, I thank you. Um, this is like my job. I, I do this all the time, you know. So uh, I need That's to have awesome. I need to have one of these things up every week, or people get very mad. So, <laughs> so I thank you, my friend. <laughs> so you're uh, you're out in Washington, is that right? Yeah. H- have you been there a while now? Yeah, I, I think I've been here since 2014. So you go from one rainy ass place to an even more rainy ass place. Yeah, but I feel like I got rid of that like New England mugginess that's unlivable and and <laughs> the the winter I would say like on average the winters here are way more livable than than the northeast, but the last winter was pretty like terrifying at times. Um just getting snowed in and our oh, yeah. house was definitely not a, a like top class roof so we we just had it was icicle city and yeah. uh but but i mean generally it's just so much nicer the weather here and it's much more secluded and quiet um than anywhere i was living on in the northeast uh but but yeah i mean i don't know what it could change 
It, it always <laughs> does, but, but I'm, I'm loving it right now. No, that's good. Am I on some kind of speakerphone or something? I'm getting kind of mm-hmm. a weird, a bit of a weird... Um... No, I'm just on my iPhone. Uh, it's possible that there's a... It's possible that my iPhone is shitty. Um, <laughs> but I could see if maybe I can... I don't know if like doing it for my iPad would be any better. Uh, not sure. It seems, it feels like it's almost nice. It's, you know, once we talk, start talking about it, it's, it's fine now. It's just, it was well, like, you were, kind of, you were kind of like fading away. Um, is this okay? This is good. Can you hear this? Yeah. It was just like when you were talking, I don't know if it was the Wi-Fi or like the data. No, it's, it's, it's this, it's this phone. Definitely. I must've just been <laughs> unknowingly slowly drifting it away from my face, but, um, <laughs> that's okay, man. No, no yeah, I'll, I'll try all. and pay special attention. Just definitely call me out. It, it, like, don't bother being polite. If, if I'm talking, interrupt me, if you can't hear me. Oh dude, I'm, I'm so way too polite with people on this. Like it's the same thing <laughs> as when we talked about, um, you know, how, how I'm like, just no, no, don't thank me, dude. Thank you for taking the time oh. to talk to me. Like, I know people are promoting things and like they do that, you know, to get the word out about everything that's going on. So I understand that it, it isn't like a, a personal favor to me that people do this. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, maybe I won't tell them to like move that microphone closer to their fucking face. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so well, um, you know, seriously, you can like I, I, I care about that kind of stuff too. So I, I don't mind. And I, I don't think anything I'm going to be saying is so sacred that it can't be interrupted for the sake of making sure the audio is okay. But, whenever, but yeah. whenever I get an email complaining about the audio quality of this, I'm like, dude, it's free content. What do you yeah. want? Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I just, am, I instinctively have a different uh, feeling about it. It's like, you, you know, this is what you do all the time. You could you could be talking to really anybody you chose to talk to me today. Oh, and well. so I'm, I'm grateful for that. And you know, I, it's not like I'm doing anything <laughs> that's so important. No, you are though, but, but no, you are though. And that's why I'm really stoked to have you because you're kind of amazing. You've kind of been amazing for a long period of time. There have been so many repeated requests for you to be a guest on the show, believe it or not over the years. Well, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. And, and what was cool was, um, I, think I reached out to you or your team like years ago. And I, I mean, it wasn't me. It would have been like, you know, a publicist or someone working for me, working for, you know, so I, there was no like connection between us in, in that way. But your people came to me this time and I was like, I haven't hit a reply button faster in my life. Oh, wow. Um, well, that's really flattering, man. I mean, I don't, I don't understand why, but that is that is really flattering. I, I, I can, I can say if I hope, I hope that the way that we declined not doing it in the past was respectful and you know, I hope oh, that we oh, actually declined. And I just, don't even know if the email went through. Like I never, oh. we don't think we heard back. It wasn't, it was like, here's a list of people I want to have on my brand new podcast. And your name was like definitely on the list. And I was told, you know, you were contacted, but who knows who the email well, went to. Dec- and- <laughs> well, either way, let's just assume it went all the way to me and I declined. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry that, that if it was done in any way that was disrespectful or no, no, I, mean, no, I don't no. know, I don't know why I would have, but I also don't imagine anyone just passing on this without telling me. So right, I, I right. can't imagine why, but I'm happy to be having the conversation today. Hell yeah, man. So um, first of all, let's talk about the the newest news, 
which is that you've got this tour coming up, um, yes. which I'm sure you want people to know about. It starts, is it November? Yeah, it's it's basically for the month of November, making sure that nobody had to actually like cancel Thanksgiving plans to see us um, <laughs> and that nobody in the band, you know, had to be away from home for that. But except for that, it's basically the entire month. Um, but we're only playing, you know, a few cities throughout the month because we're doing this night one, night night two kind of approach. Right. Now that seems like, you know, from a guy that does this kind of stuff and puts on, does shows and tours and everything, this sounds like kind of a nightmare to organize. Sure. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) mean, it's really cool that you're giving your fans this, I mean, a stripped down performance and an interactive podcast, which I want to ask you what the hell that is. And then you have another night where you're doing a full band performance with, you know, additional musicians, select songs, reimagined, which is so cool. And that's very ambitious, but yeah, I can't even imagine organizing that. Well, I think it's, <laughs> it's a really funny perspective for me to have and like talk about at the moment while I'm going through it because, you know, I haven't yet pulled off like night one. <laughs> so, so I can only give you like the, the perspective while trying to do it, but I can say that the number one reason that something like this would succeed in terms of actually pulling off the kind of stuff that we want to do. Not that any of it's like, you know, we're trying to pull off some massive stunt or crazy thing. It's really simple, small tasks that are all just sort of compounded for this one big thing that we're trying to, you know, promote. But it wouldn't be possible without like the management and booking agents and like the people who are going to have to do what's most of the heavy lifting of the actual logistics of all of this. And then, it's like that's, you know, usually the way it just ends up working. And then the artist, and if you could see me, I'm doing finger quotes, but the artist. <laughs> yes, you, um, that's you, yes. Shows up and, and does their artist thing is sort of like the traditional way that it gets done. I just like being more involved in the process. And I feel I'm like infinitely more stubborn than a lot of, I guess, a lot of people in general. But, um, so, so I do end up doing a lot more of that logistical kind of work. Uh, well, I mean, but also, it, obviously it affects you and your career and you, it's your fans. It's easy enough mm-hmm. for someone else to plan something, but you're the one that has to be there and you're the one that has to deal with not only the event, but also the, you know, the aftermath of it too, you know, and what comes next and the sure, whole career sure. and the planning and everything. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that sometimes I end up thinking about things on such a granular level that I rarely get the full picture of them when it comes to stuff like like touring or or these kinds of experiences so like the, all you know all transparency I don't know if I've thought too much about how it would impact a career right right or or you know that sort of fallout or what these experiences if they're not what everyone in the audience thinks they are getting, you know, before they come to the show. If it's not exactly what everyone hopes, I, I don't know if I've thought that far. <laughs> I think it's more like I, we, we, we had this idea and the idea felt really good to us. And then it was like, yeah, let's do that. And then if people want to join up on that, then that's great. But sure. I think with everything we do, it's the same sort of, uh, it's the same sort of approach, which is like, if it may, if it makes us feel good or makes our minds feel good then we'll do it in the hopes that other people will tag along sure 
So what what is the interactive podcast all about? This is a podcast, so I'm interested. Yeah, so I don't know. That ended up, I think, being like the default of what we could say it like the best and most truncated way to say what it is without just explaining fully what the night would be. Okay. Um, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, of course. I don't know if it necessarily should boil down to those two words to represent it, but the thing that we're basically doing is like, uh, I would say dividing the night in half between the performance that'll be, uh, me and a few other musicians, or I mean, m- band members. I don't know why I said musicians. I'm thinking maybe, possibly, some of the extra musicians we have out on tour might join up sure. for night one here and there. But it'll be this performance of stripped down music, and then between Gavin Castleton, who uh, we, I don't know if you know his work or not. Do you know who Gavin? No, I Gavin don't. Castleton I don't is? know. I absolutely suggest that you listen to his music it's just incredible okay. and he plays he plays keys in our band but cool he has a big discography of his own and he uh, he's incredible but he'll be there and we will be for one i guess kind of like having a discussion between us that will like the topic will kind of arise from the audience and that's something that we're going to be crowdsourcing but also, it'll be just an open mic Q&A with the audience um, for, I would hope, a good portion of time, like, you know, a, a good 30-minute Q&A, at least, if we can fit it into the night. Right, um, right. So, so just trying to figure out, like, what can we call that? It's We would boil it down to an interactive podcast, because at the end of the tour we're just going to release a series of episodes that are edited down from each, um, yeah, each of these night ones. And it will include like some music and then some of the Q and a in each spot and some of this. Yeah. That's discussion cool. That, that well, that's cool because have. ultimately when you have those kinds of discussions and Q and a sessions and stuff like I've done before with my band, a lot of times people seem to ask the same questions so you obviously don't want to have it the same question like, you know, 20 times. So it makes sense to edit that into kind of a, a cool little, a cool little, you know, episodal, episodic. I don't even know that word. Is that the right word? Yeah, episodic. A- episodic. Yeah. Episodic. I should really know that word. Um, an episodic <laughs> podcast that, um, that uh, would really make sense. So that's, that's awesome. I think it's great. And it's nice. It just has like a clear beginning and end. It's just yeah. this self-contained podcast that we can put up and probably just like start the week after tour. We were trying to figure out if we should be putting it up during the tour or whether or not that would be like, like, yeah, like spoiling it. Yeah. Well, not necessarily spoiling it. Not, not like that, but if it would deter someone from asking a question that they would rather hear the answer to in person, like even if it's not necessarily that it's spoiled the information, if it's just something that if given the chance they would like to ask, um, I don't know why that is just where my head goes. It's like, I would rather not remove that. I don't mind answering the same question twice. I, like you said, I wouldn't edit it so that you hear it twice. But if somebody, you know, wants to ask that question and wants the feeling of it being answered in, uh, in person, I would rather have that happen. Sure. Sure. Absolutely, man. Well, that sounds awesome. Um, if you don't mind, I want to go back and talk about all this stuff, how you've got to this point. Um, the reason sure. why I called you amazing uh, a few minutes ago 
Um, and, yeah, and a I'm lot sorry of it, if I, I I'm sorry if it sounds like I glazed over that. No, 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 no. It's no. just you know, like I, I have no idea what what I'm supposed to say to that. Like I, I <laughs> no, no, no. I, and I, I don't hardly expect... disagree, but but I right. appreciate the compliment. I just don't. I don't know how to. I, I freeze up seriously. <laughs> People say nice things to me. I sort of just lock up. So. Wow. The, yeah, the, fact that, that. the fact that you've done things like, and this is, I'll explain to you why I'm saying this. I mean, we can talk about the receiving end of sirens and that record you made, which was an incredible record ahead of its time. Very ambitious. Um, and then I don't know what happened. Well, I want to talk about that too, but then the deer hunter and everything you've done, the acts, the other things you've done, the instrumentation. I mean, all this stuff is really incredible and not just something that some punk rock kid typically puts together um so i want to go back and i want to talk about your upbringing i know you're from you know new england um, no 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 i'm from uh i'm not from no it's i think it's just like the first available information oh, on yeah, me okay. starts in new england but i was raised in in basically southern california oh um uh like from I think it was like nine to to 18. I lived in Southern California. I just like think when I was 18 or 19, that's when I moved out to new England. And so that's like the beginning of, of your career. Of I guess, right? yeah. yeah. But, um, but yeah, just, I, I, I think it would make me sound more credible if I were from new England, but I have to just say I'm from, I am from Southern California. I mean, Southern California <laughs> sounds about as credible as it gets to me, but um, I'm Does not it? from there. Well, I mean, you know, people are always like when, it, when you meet someone traveling or whatever, and you're like, Oh, where are you from? And a lot of people are like, Oh, California. Like, you know, everyone's from California. Like it's not, it's not special, but if you're anyone that isn't from California, you're like, Ooh, California. Like that's, oh, I guess that's cool, yeah, I've been told that. Know? I've been told that before. I feel like that's. I, I don't know if that's around as much anymore. But my my mom was telling me that when she was younger and she was traveling, there was definitely that air of California. Like everyone from there must be connected to Hollywood in some yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, or everyone's a a musician, like you became. Um. So so talk to me about that then. So you grew up. You grew up in California. What was yeah. it? Did you have a normal family, brothers and sisters, uh, yeah, nuclear I, so, family, mom and dad? How was that? Uh, how was that for you? Yeah, I mean, I had probably the easiest upbringing imaginable for somebody who was interested in being creative. Like, I, uh, the only thing I battled against, like, I had to rage against, was my parents' concern in my su- success, like my financial stability as a person given their own experiences in being artistic people. Like it was, it, there was never this overarching expectation of accomplishment. There was only ever this real clear expectation of, you know, an, an ethic. Like that was basically my, the religion of my upbringing, I think was just like of, of a work ethic of some nature like always being productive. Okay. And it was a family of musicians. So my mom is a singer and my, my dad is a multi-instrumentalist and uh, engineer producer. And they met in the record plant in Sausalito in the seventies. Wow. Um, yeah. And my dad was an engineer there and my mom was a studio vocalist. And uh, yeah, so it's, they were making music together before I was born and growing up. That was like, most of the music I heard was my parents' music. Um, 
you know, until I discovered like tapes and stuff like that. So that's, so you had, so music was like as as early as you can remember, you were around. It's like a language. Yeah, It was like a language. It was like growing up in a bilingual home and and one of the ways you could express yourself was music. And, And since there were always musical instruments around, you could go and plunk around on anything. And there wasn't like this, there was never, I mean, I think my parents took me to one organ lesson because they <laughs> thought like, maybe we should try and get some sort of like, because the organ of them lesson is so funny. Dude, like, I, was, I picture just like, you know, like a giant church organ. I picture like a room full of them <laughs> and just everyone just you mean hammering like away. Organs? <laughs> cathedral organs. Exactly. Like yeah. Organs? yeah. <laughs> just like a, a, a semicircle of, of <laughs> battling cathedral organs and children being taken by a headmaster. Um, no, it was like, it was like those weird little student model organs like those electric right, organs. Right. it was really weird um but it was just like they thought that might help if like maybe we should because both my brother and i were expressing like real interest in music and so i think at the beginning they were like okay what do we do because they came from families that were like there was some music in them i guess a lot more in my mom's than my dad's but it it wasn't the same thing as like they weren't musicians, like their parents weren't musicians. So my parents were thinking like, as musicians, how should we raise our musician children in the sense of wow. like, should we get them piano lessons? Like, how do we do this? And I think their first attempt was these organ lessons. And we never went back. And now I'm wondering if the reason we didn't go back is that uh, like the day we went there, that we saw a child get hit by a car. Oh God. And it was like, uh, that's I think the number one reason I remember it because the organ part of the day was forgettable and like it was like I don't know it it, it was like a soy candle or so. it was just like a f- scentless candle of my memories is what that feels like um, um, but the I remember vividly the accident and now I'm thinking maybe they just never brought us back because it was like we don't want to associate too much with that that memory um but that didn't take like theory didn't take for my brother or me in in any way sheet music and stuff like that um so it just became jamming a lot of jamming between family members and uh so your brother your brother's a drummer did you i mean you you play drums as well too um do you guys kind of all dabble in everything um is there an instrument that you feel more confident in or instrument that you're not very confident in like at this point or cause I mean, obviously you, you play a lot of, a lot of things. I would say the only, the only instrument I'm really confident on is guitar. I mean, you can throw bass in there, but as right. far as in instruments that I feel I can fully express myself and, and the ideas I have, I can actually perform. I would say that's guitar. Yeah. Um, next, like down would be piano. Uh, then you could probably put like, I've played like a little bit of violin, but my fingers are way too big. So maybe <laughs> a little, a little bowed instrument, but drums are something that I can hack at. Like I have good time, but I don't have independence, like limb independence right. or anything like that. So, <laughs> so it's not, it's not really something I can do unless I'm just like trying to get a quick demo that is like a, like a Beatles beat or something like that. (laughs) I'll, I'll do that. Like I won't bother my brother for that, but 
um, yeah, I can just kind of hang on drums. So another thing about you too is is your creativity and your writing um, is is different. It's intense. It's conceptual based a lot of times. It's it isn't just uh, you know four lines of a verse and a chorus repeated you know seven times. It's it's uh, uh, there's a lot going on and there's a lot of thought and back and forth between music and lyrics and concept. Where does that come from? Uh, was that, were you really uh, into reading, um, you know, movies when you were a kid too? Or is this something that's, you know, just all art under one umbrella? I think I just really like stories a lot. Like, I, I just love, I just love fantasy. Like, it, right. it, and it doesn't need to be like grotesque fantasy or it doesn't need to be, extreme in any way or, or impossible fantasy. But I think first and foremost, I love sort of, I don't know, like a lot of my stories start as thought experiments that I'm just conducting with myself for my own amusement. Um, and then they sort of blossom and become something else. And I would say the probably, probably the number one influence for that would be film. Like just, loving i mean it's everyone does but just loving movies to an extreme extent like to where they i can find massive amounts of inspiration in them and i've been trying to get into you know creating something visual for a while um right but yeah i think it all stems from that like i have a, a love of a love of like i would say sci-fi, I guess, sci-fi fantasy, anything that, that just puts you in a place that you, you wouldn't have gotten to on your own, I think is, is exciting for me. And I don't find that happens too often in the sort of fiction. That's just like real world fiction. I feel like a lot of, uh, a, a lot is easily imaginable for, for most people. So I guess that's why I gravitate towards slightly more fantastical or, or extremely fictional scenarios. Right, right. Absolutely. So you grew up there in Southern California and you somehow ended up on the East coast, uh, with the receiving end of the sirens. How did that all come to be? I, uh, followed a girl to the East coast who was going to Harvard and I, <laughs> and that did not end well, but I didn't really want to accept defeat, uh, in terms of like my, my life goals. So I got a job at Urban Outfitters as a cashier and the other guys <laughs> in the receiving end of sirens were working there as the, uh, like, let's see, what was Andrew was in housewares and Brendan was, <laughs> Brendan was in men's and, they <laughs> it's so funny to think about because we were such like children at the time sure and and some of the things i remember us saying like it, now i just picture it and it seems like like little kids playing dress up but just because i remember once on on this walk home uh brendan and i were walking home uh after work and he he said I don't know why I'm saying this, but I just have to say it because it's on my mind. But he, he told me before I was in the band, he was like, yeah, you know, at our shows, the more we bleed, the better the show. 
<laughs> and 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 I wasn't really into the hardcore scene in any way. Like I didn't know hardcore music really. Um, and I was like, okay. And and then I later found out that the reason he was bleeding at this particular show he was alluding to was because he ripped the stitches in his uh, wisdom teeth uh, scars oh, that he he just had stitched up. But no, yeah, I, so, so I, I, just think, met him there. I think of it as like, you know, the more we bleed, like emotionally bleed, you know what I mean, man? Oh no, it didn't, it was not that deep. That was a layer. That was an emo layer. Uh, I think we had yet to peel back at that time as, as a group. Yeah, it was very surface level. It was, he was definitely talking about actually bleeding. Uh, well, I mean, the band was a short lived project. I mean, at least for you. Um, you know, I think it's interesting that you didn't, you know, being from Southern California, you didn't have much awareness of hardcore or I don't know, punk rock or whatever. Um, there were some bands I knew of like, but, but the way I found out about them wasn't as being a part of any scene. Like I think the closest I came to being a part of a, like of being aware of a scene of music was Saddle Creek when, when I was younger. And that was just cause I, like I've fell in love with cursive and that kind of blossomed into all of the other bands on that label. But, but so I was aware and I loved bands like the refused, but I wasn't aware of like the kind of sub genre of heavy rock in general that was hardcore. And, and also like, you know, all the way back into the early eighties hardcore. I wasn't yet aware of that at that time. Right. Well, it makes sense. I mean, the, the, the way that receiving a sirens, uh, what they, what you brought to the table in terms of music that was going on at that time, there wasn't a lot like it yet, you know. And nowadays, like the, a band like Dance Gavin Dance is is doing sort of what you did, but you did it way before. Um, I'm sure you're a huge influence on them as well. But now it yeah, makes sense to me. They've been around a me. long time, right? They ha- I mean, oh yeah, been yeah, a- since like probably 2007 or something like that. But you know, you were still you know years before them, and um, now it makes sense to me. You know, based on your background, how you brought that in the, into the fold, and also, and I I don't want to put words in your mouth or the situation, but it almost makes sense to me now why maybe it didn't work out because it no, seems it like wasn't- you're cut you're cut from a bit of a different cloth. Well. I don't think that had too much to do with it. I think it was really personal. Okay. And and it was just at a time when, you know, I think it, sometimes when people think when you're in a band or, or, or when you're a band member, um, there's a lot that just you kind of flippantly talk about. And there's a lot of like, there's a lot of weight that gets thrown around uh, by everyone don't think anyone ever really is aware of the weight of what they're saying. So mm-hmm. sometimes when I think back to the fights that we would have as band members and, and the sort of like conclusions that we would draw from those fights and the, the lack of emotional insight everybody had at the time, it's, it's staggering. And I mean, I'm definitely not happy with the way that I was and I don't want to throw any stones at anybody else, but it does make me think of just how crazy serious sometimes people treat being in a band when you're in the bubble of that band. Right. And and you think that this is life or death. Like when you think that your life is, is either this band or it's not. And that, and that's kind of the position that your, your head is in. 
everything that you're making, every decision that you're making, you put in this massively polarized like Plinko game in your head because <laughs> you're frantically trying to figure it out as a child. And, and uh, you know, so at the time, like, I think it was just the result of the result of immaturity band wide. And then yeah. the reason that it was me was absolutely my own fault. Like I was tremendously difficult to be around and I had, I had reasons that I was that way. They're not excuses. So there's, they're not worth saying, but like it wasn't from a place of wanting to make anybody's life harder. It was just a reactionary place of my own, but that's really what ended up happening was just, I was, I think I was the first most un unlivable personality in, in the band. Well, and that was sort of what, I mean, what ended up. Yeah, go ahead. No, I, that's sort of what ended up like deteriorating the band though, was this band wide problem that we had and that I assume most bands have, but you know, it, it's, it's something that I tried to learn and grow from and it's taken a long time for sure. And I love all of those dudes and have good, have a good relationship with all of them too. But well, yeah. And you, and you guys have come back and done some things, you know, here and there uh, over the years um, are you yeah, surprised totally. that the legacy is what it is? I mean, people really love that record and really love the work you did. I have no idea what the legacy is. I don't know. I don't have any outlet or, or I don't know where I could measure that, you know, where uh, every now and then somebody will, I think, flex their, their deep cut knowledge and say <laughs> war of all against all at a deer hunter show. Right. And that's, that's endearing, but I don't know beyond somebody trying to show me that they know that that's a song I was a part of. I don't really know how I could gauge that temperature, but like, I don't know what it would mean if we were to try and play a show or something like that. I can't imagine that would be that interesting. Well, I think it would be pretty huge at this point. I think people still really care about that. Um, that music. I well, really that's do. cool to know. So, I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm the one that has to tell you this. So um, <laughs> <laughs> there, there you go. Um, so, okay. Well, then, well we don't have like a, uh, we've talked about getting back together like a ton of times uh, uh, for, for no, it's for no lack of like wanting to, it's, it's more like, it's a lot easier. Well, you know, it's a lot easier to make a band when you, when you have absolutely nothing else going on in your life. <laughs> it's a lot yes. easier to be like, yeah, let's just be in this band and we'll live out of this and we'll eat this and none of, none of it will matter except for this band. Like that's a lot easier to do, and and I think that's one of the things that made that music what it was. Is it was just this group of people, absolutely like living and breathing and eating the band at all times, and and we kind of turned that into that outpouring. But we've tried to get back together in the past, and we've gotten some uh, offers a few years ago, but it just it's just the scheduling side. Sure, of it. no, absolutely, absolutely. Well, that's good to know. I'm sure a lot of people are are. Tickled pink to hear that. Um, so you, you start the the deer hunter, and um, it seems like right away you kind of knew you were, you were doing this. It was going to be this this con concept, almost like a concept band in a way, you know, and the acts and all this stuff that you've done. Um, was that kind of the goal? Was just to use your your film um, background and your writing background and your your knowledge of being a multi instrumentalist, um, all this stuff together? Was that the whole reason you started the Deer Hunter? Yeah, I mean, 
definitely that's exactly why i i wanted to i wanted to have something where i could express all of those things um and i felt like that was the most comfortable art form i could do it in you know like I, if i was finely tuned at at something else i would i would want to do that over music but as far as the things i'm capable of doing i felt like this is the best way i can express myself is, is through music at this time absolutely i i was confused and i'm sure a lot of people were at the time um by there being another band called deer hunter Do, uh, you um, know what's insane yeah. <laughs> I wish, i'm sure i can dig up the email but it was an email to um Fred at Triple Crown Records, like uh, 2006, maybe 2005. No, it would have been 2006. And just saying like, there's this other band from Atlanta. Yeah. Should I worry about that? Or should we change our name? And him saying like, oh no, they're not going to do anything. Right. And, and then you flash forward. It's like, it's a, it's this game of chicken that that band is definitely not playing with us. But we were just playing like with, I think, with like a freight train. That's what it feels like. It was like we were playing chicken with a freight train as far as like, we'll hold on to this name. They'll hold on to the name. It doesn't matter. Right. It, it's never going to be a problem. But I think they, they just, then they became like the most credible band on earth. Yeah, and, well, uh, kind of. I, th- I remember, uh, I don't know where I saw this. It was like, this, this had to be around that same time. And I saw Deer Hunter, which I didn't really know about the other Deer Hunter. I guess I'm not that cool. But I knew that you had left <laughs> Trios and you'd, and you'd formed this new band. And it, there was some ad that was Deer Hunter, but D-E-E-R. And, right. it, and the, the title was like, Turn It Up, um, Gay Slur, like the bad F word. And I was oh. like, and I was like, oh damn, this dude is really like kind of going the other way here artistically. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was like, what the, like, that's like, you can just, they're just throwing that word around or this dude. And then I was like, oh, and someone's like, no, no, no that's the other deer hunter. And I'm like, I don't know. This is confusing, but I'm yeah. sure over the years, you mean people probably even showed up to your shows and thought it was the other band. Oh man. I've the number of interviews I've done that begin with what's it like living in Atlanta. It's, it's been a good number of interviews. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's, it's, it's good. I think one year, uh, South by Southwest, we were doing some interview and we saw that at the end of the interview, there was like this, I don't know if this is a normal thing or not. Cause I don't do it very often, but like, there was just a bunch of stuff like that you could take at the end of this interview. It was like there was clothes and other shit. I, I don't even remember, but it was oh, okay. like bags for people. So I don't know. Are they is it like swag? Is that what that is? That what swag is? Uh, yeah, that's what swag is. Sure, sure. So, so we went into this interview and they started with that, and I knew where it was going. I knew it was going to go to like, oh, you thought that you had booked Atlanta based deer hunter in this interview but i didn't call them out because i saw all the free shit so we just did the interview <laughs> we just did the interview and then we took our things and we left and, and that was that um yeah but it, it happens all the time i mean they're a huge band like and, yeah. and not only a huge band but like a highly respected band and and rightfully so so like i can't think of a worse 
kind of band to have to, you know, challenge their name in people's minds than like a very highly respected, well-regarded and, and credible band. Right. <laughs> Except that your, your name is a little more clever than theirs too. Like, I don't know, but what does that matter? That's like, I, I, it doesn't really somebody, matter, but at least you have a reason that your name is that. It's not like you're, you know, um, I don't know. Sure. I don't know. I don't know. Sure. I don't know if too many people write off bands because their names don't have reasons though. I can't imagine <laughs> yeah. every, you know, like the Beatles is a shitty name. It's pretty bad. It's like, I don't know if that would fly for any other bug I don't, very well. I mean, I know there have been other bug bands, but it's a shitty name. But it's like, you know, it, it's, it works. It's fine. Something, I don't think anyone cares. Something I like to do with my friends is like to talk about the best band with the worst name and the worst band with the best name. So uh-huh. like, like uh, a pretty good band with a bad name, like uh, Goo Goo Dolls. Right. That's a terrible name. Uh, Jimmy, oh, yeah, Jimmy Eat World, pretty terrible name too, but great band. Right. What uh, is your opinion of Smashing Punk? Pumpkins. I, I was going to say pumpkins. I think it's a great name. I think it's – well, it's, it's The Smashing Pumpkins. So it's like – that's a little double meaning there too, right? Like smashing, like an English person would be oh, like, like, oh, you were smashing tonight. You yeah, know? I see what you're saying. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah, that's what and apparently the name being means. being like this, this cutesy kind of like uh, term of endearment if you're the Smashing Pumpkins, but if you're also Smashing Pumpkins. Exactly, exactly. See, okay. see not bad. Works. Pretty good, pretty good. And like a band that I, well, I'm not a huge fan of. I don't want to throw them under the bus, but like I think is a great name. Uh, not my favorite band, Godsmack. What a name. Now, what kind of band? What <laughs> kind of band would have to be Godsmack for the name to be okay, though? Right. Well, I like, like the name. I like the name. No, I think I think but it's I mean, great. for the name to not make you think like oh, I think there's a name that the band the actual band Godsmack could have that would make them seem less douchey. <laughs> but I think there is a there is a band that could have the name Godsmack and not be douchey. So I wonder what kind of music would actually like you'd be like, "Oh, it's that band uh Godsmack." It would have to be like a metal, like a real cool metal band, you know? Oh, like so like a, a dark. Yeah. Like, yeah, like okay. a band that sounds like Death Heaven or something like that, you know? Like a, I don't know Death Heaven. Okay. You should. They're but, awesome. But, but based but, on the name, I can I can hear why they could also double for Godsmack. <laughs> it's definitely, it's a band that, that shouldn't have that name. What about, especially um, with all the pagan stuff. Right. Like they should be something pagan, right? Uh, I, guess. I would say so. What about um, uh, Smash Mouth? That's a great band name too. That's a good band name for like a a real fucking punk band. Yeah, like but, a hardcore band. It'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. We go off on these tangents. It's fine. So uh, let's talk about <laughs> y- the Deer Hunter and this whole the whole acts thing because my question as a as a fellow. Um, no, you know, not in your league, but a, a person that's written a lot of don't music. Do that. Well, I've, I've written a lot of music, but I've—I mean, I've never taken on an undertaking like uh, uh, what I'm about to explain. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people know, but you pretty much made this story, and it was a 10-year commitment, at least, to you know, a, one character and one story, and you did five albums, uh, and you have a box set that I think is up for pre-order right now. People can check out. Um, but this whole thing, I mean, wow. I mean, I I just don't even know what to ask you. It's like, 
there must have been so many ups and downs over the process. I mean, you start out, out doing something and then it takes different meandering turns and did it end up where you wanted it to end up? Um, did it change drastically? Uh, the music must have changed just based on 10 years of your uh, influences and your the world around you changing and your maturity. Um, I don't even really know what to ask, but it's just these are all the things that go on in my head when I... Um, when I think about this crazy undertaking that you would, that you went through. Um, I, I appreciate, I, I appreciate that. I don't know if I think of it as that crazy. I don't know. It's kind of like, I, is it, is it that crazy to have written kind of five albums about one thing or, or would it have been more crazy to, you know, diversify the information that I'm trying to get across about more than one person. It's like, I don't, I don't know that that's a lot of people have told me that kind of thing. Like, Oh, but that's such a big undertaking or like, right. I don't know if, if, but I don't know if it's really that I, and maybe it's just that I, I decided at the beginning that it was going to be something that was going to take me longer than a typical, gratification cycle of an of a single album can can like provide you know like that it was gonna have to be something that i worked on singularly through through some time where there wasn't necessarily going to be like i i would have to get over that hump each time of of wanting to work on it and right and and of not wanting to work on the other idea that i had or 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 uh you know I guess to shift gears entirely for too long. Um, and I did, I mean, I, I, after act three, I did shift gears for a while. Right. Uh, yeah, because you, I was you pretty, did the two other albums, color spectrum and migrant, which, you know, were different. I mean, were the, were the reasons that you did that just to kind of give yourself a break from that? that yeah, I was super, I, I wasn't burnt out when, when I finished act three, but when I thought about doing act four, I felt really burnt out. And right. I also felt like I hadn't, matured much as a human being in that time and I, f I felt like maybe I would be rushing it if if I tried to write about the things that I knew I was kind of steering towards in some way like there the storyline gets sort of more mature I think as as you go through them um yeah and I don't know. I just didn't feel like it was the time to do it. And I also f had said that I wanted to do this color spectrum thing a while before I actually ended up starting it. And, and it felt like I didn't want to have too many looming artistic promises with myself of things that I say I'm going to do. And then I just keep pushing off. So it was like, okay, before I finish this, I should probably go off and do that. Um, and then when migrant came around, it was much more of just like, that was just simply like, Oh, I'm not ready to do that. I, I got to do one more thing. And I didn't know what it would be at the time, but, but it ended up being migrant. No, absolutely. And, and with this stuff, so the act, the acts is over, right? Have you completed it? Um, I have completed it as much as I feel is, is right to do on, on record. Like there is a story for a sixth act that I, wrote and then there's a screenplay oh, wow. for a sixth act that I wrote with um my friend Erez Bader and um 
So that that exists, and so there's a completely fleshed out story for it, and the way that I wanted to try and do it, it I recognize that it's it's probably impossible. But the way that I would want to tell that one is as a film, and it's a it's a story that can either be completely viewed in in like the the island of this film story you know right. the island of that narrative or it can be viewed as the the sort of sixth part of the act series but it's just something that shouldn't be an album and right. and it's not necessary to the experience of acts one through five in terms of the records themselves um so it just exists as that and if the opportunity ever does arise like i'm i'm ready to do that but i don't want to just hold that as the thing that I'm constantly chasing right now because there's just too much other stuff that I I'm excited about doing. And that's the only real way I've, that's the only compass I've really ever had. It's like, if something excites me, then I want to do it. Cool. And, that's a great, and, that's a great compass, man. Yeah. I've, I've <laughs> been incredibly privileged to be given the opportunity to chase that down because yeah. no, you know, in, in <laughs> on the grand scale of things nobody gets that opportunity so i i it's not lost on me how lucky i am and i want to make sure that if i'm given that opportunity i i do it justice and i don't end up shifting to a slightly career or like slightly parallel path of of either chasing money or chasing notoriety or anything like that it's just what's exciting musically or creatively well that's awesome um so what can people expect next it's been a little while since you put out music um Oh man, what's I can't the, really. What's the plan? Say. You can't say it yet. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Well, I can say this. I've been it, there's something that I've been working on now for two years, and I've it's forced me to learn to do things that I've like. I, I never really had an interest in doing, but I've had to do to facilitate trying to accomplish this thing that I'm trying to accomplish. It's slightly tied into this tour that that we're doing, but. It's something that is a big gamble for me in terms of, you know, like whether or not people would take me seriously um, with anything. I think every record is kind of a gamble, though. It's like, will mm -hmm. people take this seriously or not? Um, but I'm like, I can't possibly overstate how excited I am cool. about the thing that I am working on. Cool. And, and I, I, I wish that it was already at the point where I could be talking about it because right now, I have been working on uh, I've been working on it so long that I'm kind of going crazy and there's still so much work to do, but I have to finish it before I get out on tour. So that's a good, that's okay. A, that's yeah, a good, I see you have a little bit of motivation there to, uh, to a lot of motivation. motivation yeah. 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 Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. man. Well, that's exciting. Um, people will be very excited to hear about that. Um, so is it going to be announced before this tour um, starts? Or no, you're not sure no. yet? No, no, no. You no, I'm not sure. It. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I think if anything, it would be something that uh, I, I, like, I don't want to say this in a way that seems like I'm trying to advertise going to the tour because I really don't want to push that. Like, I want people to come, but I want people to come who really want to come. I don't want to, like, carnival, <laughs> car carnival bark people into into the seats um right but uh i think that all like that's that's something that would be sort of discussed more on that tour 
and sort of like illuminated a little bit more on that tour. It's it's nothing that I've I want to advertise because I don't want people to come under that idea of like they're coming for something secret. I, I want I want to make sure that the reason that they're coming is for something that they understand. Um, so I appreciate you letting me kind of flesh out what an interactive podcast. <laughs> is <laughs> yeah, no, ab- absolutely. And you know what'll happen? I think is. A lot of people are going to hear this and they're going to go, you know what? I'm going to check out this deer hunter stuff. And then they're going to be mega fans by the time your tour rolls through and they'll have tons of questions for you. Right. I think you're being very charitable, but Uh, I I don't know. But I I appreciate, no, I'm saying like just, just for clarity, I'm saying charitable with, with what you assume people's reactions would be. But I am incredibly grateful that you've like given me the the platform. Of course, man. Um, And, Seriously, I'm, I'm, thank you very much of for that. Of course, man. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I have a couple fan, well, at least one fan question here. Yeah. Are, uh, are, do you edit this down? Yeah, I do. Okay, well, then then it's really like if you have anything, I'm happy to stay on as long as you have time. If oh, yeah, yeah. No, dude. No, dude. Um, um, no, I think this is a, we're, we're right at the right amount of time. This is perfect. Cool. So cool. I, I just, this is, a, this is a question I had for you too, but Clever Hernandez he asks, um, he wants some insight on how composing music with a symphony happened. It's very admirable. Oh, um, okay. I'll try and be as short winded as I can. Cause I know I talk a lot. No, but- it's okay. Go go on and on. This is the point of podcasts is long form. <laughs> the, the, it started. So I've, I've always had an interest in incorporating, uh, non like non-typical instruments into like rock music and i only mean non-typical in the sense of like not typically used in rock music like like traditionally the guitar bass drums piano that kind of stuff so with the receiving and the sirens that was the first time i really tried to incorporate some more like orchestral kinds of like the best thing that happened on that record was that while we were recording it, there was an orchestra recording in the adjacent studio. And I, I, I snuck a microphone into the studio and I was recording through like a a few doors in a kitchen. Um, and I, I got a microphone in there to start pulling samples from the orchestra. Um, (laughs) wow. Yeah. So, I mean, (laughs) there's like 60 musicians who played on that record and don't know it. Um, but, <laughs> oh my god! Are you serious? That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I I did that and I cut it up into some usable chunks that that are sprinkled throughout the record. But I I also just you know I've used a lot of MIDI instruments in my my records and uh, especially at that time. But it started there with just wow. liking how it sounded. I just liked how it sounded, and I I didn't come up on any orchestral music really like at all. I knew the music from Fantasia and that was about as close as it got to having some knowledge of, of classical music. Um, but it started there with just bringing it into that. And I knew that like, you know, like we were saying, there's, there was also this expression of that cinematic, I guess, yearning of, of making things cinematic. So once I started the deer hunter, I started incorporating that more and, more on like the ground level of the songwriting um, rather than just sort of these things sprinkled on top and more, more integral to the sound in general. 
Wow. And yeah. it just progressed from album to album with getting to work with more and more talented people and in more and more like expectant settings where it eventually got to the point where it was like, okay, I have to have sheet music and now I right. have to have sheet, sheet music with articulations on it because I only have this amount of time I'm paying by the hour and stuff like that. So it got to the point where I think it was on, it was on migrant when I first really prepared sheet music for the first time. And it was just for this quartet that played on, um, on the record. And after that was like, I liked that act of, of preparing music and sure. putting in all the articulations and, and dynamic markings and, and designing it like that. Um, I just wanted a bigger challenge for it. So in my head, it was like, okay, well, what do I want to do with this newfound interest? I want to, compose a big piece of music that forces me to learn the ranges of each instrument, the articulations of each instrument, like the dynamics of each instrument. And then also allows me to express this part of, I guess my, I don't know, creative lusts that I have, which is that cinematic and like romantic side. Like it's a very romantic piece of music in, in the realm of just romantic composition. Like it's, it's almost like Kershwin or, or it's like cover music almost. Like there's a lot about it that's firmly rooted in, in a, a narrow scope of music history. But it was just the thing that I was the most inspired to do at the time. And um, knowing that it was something that I hadn't done and had no proof I was capable of doing, I didn't feel like we could get a, a label behind it. So we got the idea of crowdsourcing it. And it was just, if we, if the crowd does source this, then, or, or if we are able to do this, then it's proof that at least the experiment is worth it. Whether yeah. or not it turns out to be something that anyone would identify as good. Um, <laughs> that, that these, this many people, like this number of people are willing to do this experiment with us right, and gamble, right. gamble that amount on whether or not it, it ends up being something they can enjoy. Well, it's cool that you seem to pretty much do what you want to do. I mean, you know, like I, obviously you care about your fans and you do play shows for them and stuff. Um, and you probably play a lot of songs they want to hear. Um, but at the same time, it seems like with each project, it really is your... Uh, it's it's for you, right? I mean, is that is that accurate? Yeah, I mean, selfishly, like, <laughs> yeah, admittedly, exactly. I mean, ad admittedly, yeah. selfishly, yeah. it's it's for me. But I think that that is, without at risk of trying to sound like I'm patting my own back, which probably sounds like I've done a lot. It just is. It's oh man, it was on the tip of my tongue. It's it's not. Fuck, I lost it. I lost it completely. <laughs> well, I, I, I'll, I'll try to put words in your mouth, but I think it's what makes you you. It's what makes your music you. It's what your fans have grown um, to expect. You know, and yeah, they, and they I, I feel mean, they like definitely have. they, they, they definitely don't have. want. They don't want. They want that. I think. I think your fans want your yes. internal I brain. I was trying to think of a, of a way to basically say that, that in one word. Yeah, <laughs> that they want that, but I wasn't trying to say that they want. They, they want the outcome of what that 
does more right. so than it's like, Oh, we want you to go off and just be totally, you know, uh, emotionally and spiritually self-serving for a while and dive into your, like, it's not that it's, they want something that's, I guess, just honest music. Um, and I feel like that's what the outcome is when you only really think about yourself while making it is that you've, you've ended up coming out with something that fully represents who you are. And it doesn't represent any goal you had other than representing who you are, um, in some way. And then it's just like the knowledge that, even though we're all really unique, we're all really similar in, in a lot of ways. So if it's something that moves me in a fundamental way when I'm creating it, there's got to be other people who respond like I Absolutely. do. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a really good point too, man. Well, dude, um, thank you for taking the time and talk to me about all this different stuff. And um, yeah, I'm excited for the big announcement and um, I'm, I hope I can catch one of the shows and uh, witness the interactive podcast. <laughs> Um, uh. <laughs> but, uh, I, I do have one last question for you and, yeah. um, I, I always play music at the end of the show and you have a lot of music, so I'm really not sure what to play. Um, do you have a song? Can you pick a song for the people? Can you play uh, boogie wonderland? Boogie wonderland. Doesn't, yeah. It's not my song. Oh, I, I mean, how about we play one of your songs and then I'll out, I'll I outro. feel like they're going to be more stoked on boogie wonderland, but <laughs> that sounds if, great. Um, I don't know. I don't know what what's the vibe you're looking for. Oh, how I do you would, want to send people off? Well, what's the song that that I think? I mean, it's hard to just pick one that's that encompasses an entire career. But I don't know. Just just pick one you like a lot. Maybe maybe a deep cut. A deep cut. Oh God. Um, and then I'll play Boogie Wonderland. Don't worry, everyone will hear it. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Let's see. A deep. I don't know if I want you to play a deep cut um dude i'm bad at this i don't know what you should play I, the, the song that i thought of as being like the end of a show song is king of swords i think okay. that's on act four which is basically disco and it it will scratch my boogie wonderland itch oh thank god there it is thank god <laughs> oh yeah this is a jam yeah. All right, all right. Well, um, Casey, thanks so much for taking the time, man. And uh, all the best, and I hope to see you around. Yeah, thank you very much. Take care. Before you be dancing now, Earth, Wind, and Fire, Boogie Wonderland. Yes, that's by request from Casey himself. And I'm sorry I didn't play the entire four minutes and 52 seconds, but it's on YouTube. It's got 206 million plays. 
a lot of fans of Earth, Wind, and Fire out there. And a terrific band. A terrific band. Speaking of terrific bands, terrific musicians, I want to thank Casey so much for doing this, for taking the time, being so honest, forthright with his answers. And if you get a chance to go to this tour where they're doing all this crazy stuff, it's absolutely worth it. So check it out. I think it's thedeerhunter.com. Probably. Google it. You'll find it. Dates on sale now, as well as the Acts box set. I definitely want to pick that up. Very, very cool stuff happening with Casey. So I'm going to leave you with a couple of tunes because, you know, we got to do our due diligence here, okay? So I'm going to play the track he suggested, The King of Swords, which sounds like a Briscola reference. Thanks for the Briscola cards, whoever got them for me. Big fan. Any Italians are going to know what I'm talking about. I will play this tune and I'll follow it up with a post-hardcore classic from the receiving end of sirens, planning a prison break. Here they are on Lead Singer Syndrome. Make sure you're subscribed. Peace and love, and I'll see you next week. Gears turning that no wrench can attack. Consideration of pause had their time come and pass. No gloves, but you can't get it.